0: Want to know how to make the future you want to see with your business, career, and life? Find out on this episode of the Enough Already podcast. Had enough? Ready to turn your career into your own consulting and coaching business? You're in the right place. I'm Betsy Jordan, and with my background as a consultant, entrepreneur, and personal brand builder, I'm here to give you inspiration and guidance to own your brilliance, shape your brand, articulate your message, and get seen and paid as the expert that you already are. This is Enough Already, the place for consultants and coaches to learn how to create businesses and lives that they love. Welcome to the Enough Already podcast. I'm your host, Betsy Jordan, and we're continuing my series on getting seen and paid as an expert. Today's guest is Jared Nichols, who is a musician turned insurance agent turned consultant, futurist, advisor, and change creator. I met Jared several years ago when we were both working with the same person who was helping us build our online platform and get our start with creating content, but we stayed in touch because we have a couple things in common. We both adore the creative process that comes with creating content for marketing our clients and in everything we do, and we are both obsessed with the Kajabi platform and how it's the perfect tool for people like us who want to have an easy way to implement our creative ideas. So initially, I just wanted to have Jared on the show because he's done an amazing job carving out a unique position in the market as a futurist where his specialized expertise is very unique. Not a lot of consultants possess it and he's done an amazing job creating content, especially his videos. But what turned my head in our conversation was how at the root of both his creativity and his content and his unique thought leadership message is all about this. The future isn't to be Predicted, but created to be made. When you listen in, you'll hear about his growing up years as an army brat who moved around a lot and sought solace in music. But he didn't know how to read music, so he never really learned to play other people's stuff all the way through. So he loved creating his own. So where other people don't like that blank piece of paper, he loves it because it allows him to envision something that he hasn't seen yet. So flash forward to today with his consulting. This is what he helps his clients do. Create the future, not just respond to it. And for sure, not be reactive to it or be constrained by it. If you've got a big vision for your business and your life and you want a big jolt of inspiration and how you can make it happen, make it happen. Make it happen. I'm going to say that again. I didn't do this accidentally. I said it three times because I want you to understand his perspective here. Make it happen. Listen in to this powerful interview with Jared. And if you're like Jared and me and love to create content and love platforms like Kajabi that make it super easy to manifest that content, for sure, let's chat. Book time with me at BetsyJordan.com, and remember, Jordan is with a Y, forward slash schedule. Now, onto the show. Welcome, Jared.
1: Yeah, it's good to be here, Betsy. It's been a while, you know, Just, uh, but uh, it's good to see you again. I'm glad you reached out and, and happy to be here on the show with you.
0: So here's what I'm super excited to learn more about your story. So I've seen so many changes in your business throughout the years as you start talking about this futuristic kind of stuff. So I wanted to have you on because I love to unpack a little bit more of your story because I can I can feel the clarity and I can feel the energy behind your work. I could see it in your videos. I could see it in everything that you're doing. And if I'm experiencing that just from afar, I'm sure others are and your clients are. So I'd love to hear more about your story. Um, But before we get to talk about what you're doing now, could we um, back up a little bit and talk about when when did you start a business? So what was your career like? How long have you been in business for yourself?
1: Um, okay, great question. So there's a so the first 10 years. um, So number one is I've I've never worked for anybody in my entire professional career. Uh, that's as my wife would say. It's because I'm oppositional, defiant, and just don't have the ta- <laughs> you know the patience to to tolerate you know most of the corporate bullshit. That uh, oh, is it okay to to do? I need to censor myself here. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'll I'll try to keep it to a minimum. Uh, but, we'll uh, just
0: call it corporate BS. Is that word? corporate BS? yes.
1: yeah, uh, yeah. Myself, my entire professional career, the first uh, ten years. 11 years was as an independent insurance broker. I enjoyed working for myself and solving problems. And then about eight years into that, I started to get really bored. Um, I was making more than I'd ever made. We didn't have kids at the time. I was getting to race and train on, you know, I used to race bikes and, uh, but I was just bored out of my mind. And um, yeah, so I started looking at ways to uh, get out of that and try and get into something else. And that's when I uh, discovered this, this, obscure field uh, but that immediately resonated with me and that was around the uh, the area of strategic foresight or becoming a futurist. so I uh, I put things on hold and went uh, to grad school and got my uh, graduate degree in strategic foresight and future studies not saying that's the path that people have to take. I was just absolutely fascinated with this and uh, transitioned my business about oh gosh is it 2021 now? 11, 11 and a half years ago. Yeah. So I've been, I transitioned from being an independent insurance broker into the consulting, advising, training, that whole world where basically you're being paid for your ideas and your advice um, and your skill set. Yeah. So, so that, that, that was the, uh, the background on that.
0: So did you always see, did you see yourself as an independent um, business owner when you were an insurance agent, or did you see yourself kind of as a subcontractor working for a firm or franchise person? How did you see yourself back then?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, you know, I guess it would be, that would depend on how you define being a business owner. I mean, at the most base level, nobody was paying me to get out of bed in the morning. I mean, if I didn't work, I didn't eat. And so that was there was no W two no benefits nothing you know I was selling benefits but I did not have benefits so I contracted with multiple companies, uh the, and so that was um yeah but you know I guess in a number of ways I had this the similar conversation with a good friend of mine who is a serial entrepreneur for real I know everybody on LinkedIn is a serial entrepreneur yeah. this guy is he has uh, started and sold eight companies now uh you know for Seven, eight figures. I mean, he's just, that's what he does. He's really good at that. And um, he and I had a conversation about what does it mean to be an entrepreneur? And I, I kind of pieced this together for myself. I think the first half of my career really felt more like being a hired gun, you know, like I'm just, I'm a mercenary. You know, I'm out here like, look, hunt, kill, and eat. That's what I do. And I make sure that, you know, that uh, my clients are taken care of. And you know, and business is good, but did I see myself as running a business per se? I had people that worked with me, um, but I don't know that I ever stopped to think of myself saying, yeah, I'm an, I'm an entrepreneur. You know, Uh, I was like, I'm really just a mercenary is what it it felt like. Um, But again, I I could, I think it's relative to how you define being an entrepreneur. Uh, I think the one thing is, is that I just never wanted to work for anybody.
0: So at least you had that in common throughout your whole career is that you were an independent thinker and you always wanted to work for yourself with the format of how that in the container that changed, but that drive didn't, how did you know, what was it that got your interest into strategic foresight? Like, how did you get interested in that?
1: Yeah, well, um, I found out about it through a friend of mine who was doing, uh, marketing and copywriting for the program. And, um he started talking to me about it. And I thought this, this doesn't sound real. This <laughs> sounds ridiculous. But I, I started to get a little more interested in it. Sound and, ridiculous
0: uh, because it seems like so you or sound ridiculous. Like who would ever need something a, like this? That is
1: a good question. That is a good question. Uh, I think, you know, I think maybe it was more the messenger. He's a good friend of mine, but I also know him so well. I was just like, ah, you're involved in this. This is probably something that's, I don't know, you know, um, But no, so I went to the uh, World Future Society in 2009 and is being held in Chicago, their World Conference. And I went to go meet with the director of the program and sat through his uh, session. And when I listened to him talk about it, I immediately knew this is what I wanted to do. And it was just because it's the way that my brain works. So my undergraduate degree was in history and English creative writing. And so for me, I'm a contextual learner. So Mm -hmm. this is why I suck at math. Is mm-hmm. because those are just numbers. There's no story to them. So I need context. So history, English creative writing, these are all things that require context, multiple you know layers of information to see a bigger picture emerge. Well, future studies and strategic foresight is essentially the same thing. You're uh, you're really looking at things as they are now, and then you are asking questions that most people don't ask, like. How might this here impact multiple facets of society that gives us this three-dimensional picture of what the world might look like? It's not about predicting the future. It's really about saying, this is what it might look like. And so immediately my creative brain was like, oh yeah, that's what I want to do. There's huge value in that. That's, that's a skill set. It's uh, giving people an opportunity to think beyond 90 days and not just think beyond it, but actually envision what it could look like and then utilize that information to make better decisions right now. So it's like, ah, oh, this is what I want to do.
0: Okay, first off, this is fascinating. And I can't believe on all this time that we've known each other, we never discussed that we were both history majors as our undergrad. And I think, and and I'm a creative writer as well. And I think it's the same kind of thing, because I look at history, it was all around the story. You know, I never really cared about I was never good at military history of like this war, hap- you know, like this battle, this battle. It was more the context, big picture. But yeah. what's what sounds really interesting about the way you're talking about it is you're looking at his- like you're looking at today in the context of the past and the future. You know, like everything in this more holistic kind of standpoint, you know, is this always been the kind of person you've been like when you were a kid? What did you play with? And. Does this kind of mindset in the writing, was that how you were? Like, what were you like when you were a kid?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, so I grew up as an army brat. So we moved around every six months to three years. So I think that lends to, and I'm also, you know, attention deficit, left-handed musician who can't read music, but I compose music. You know, all these, I'm a walking contradiction in so many different parts of my life. So I think a lot of that lends to uh just having a large imagination so oh what, what what might this be like i mean so i always wanted to create things uh even in music when i started playing the guitar uh i would start learning somebody else's song and then find one or two notes that i really liked and then i'd start creating my own it's like okay i don't so i never brought any of that stuff to completion i never learned anybody else's stuff all the way through i was always uh finding different pieces of things to create my own with and so Anytime you're in a process of creation, whether you realize it or not, it's a forward-looking action, right? So if I'm going to create something, I am envisioning something that isn't here yet. I'm going to bring it to life. All that is in forward motion. So I think for me, the uh, the writing, the interesting, you know, the, the deep interest in future studies and history is just that um, I wanted to create or compose more stories, more music you know things that uh, I, I really connect with the, on a deep human level, which is what I think most people connect with. I mean nobody gets excited about facts or figures They get excited about the story that you put around those facts or figures.
0: So this is so fascinating because I'm hearing what you're talking about and I'm seeing the value proposition on the website that you have. Um, could you just real quick what's the address of your website because I want to I want to make a comment about the website in case somebody wants to sure. check you out.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's newfuturist.com, but it's spelled N-U-F-U-T-U-R-I-S-T. So instead of new, it's N-U. That's basically that. Yeah.
0: So when you're talking about this, it makes me connect in with what I read that stood out to me when we were looking at your website is this whole idea around you get to write your own future. Mm -hmm. you know, that writing your own future, which seems to be connecting with the kid that you've always been is write your own future. I bet you, you were the kind of guy that you could look into a blank piece of paper and you see stuff in the blank piece of paper where other people just see a blank piece of paper. I don't know if I'm right about that, but
1: yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, that was always kind of the the struggle because that was never really incentivized or encouraged, you know, uh, I mean, I'm 43 years old. So when I was a kid, uh, you know the way I'm hardwired was usually seen as more of well you know he, <laughs> I mean my parents would get excited if I got C's I would too and if I got a B it was like oh man we're throwing a party this is great but uh, I see where my kids are today and there's so much more that actually encourages that type of creative thinking um, but that wasn't really the case for me so I I did see that um, I, I even think today still a number of ways I'm I'm having to work through accepting that and leaning more into that. Um, even as much as I've put that into my career, uh, it's still almost ingrained in you like, well, okay, I gotta make this a little more boring so it's more palatable and that's just crazy, (laughs) so.
0: Yeah. this is this is great. I I'd love to, to go back in time, though, when you first started. So you all right. So it sounds like you were an insurance broker, you got bored, you needed you still always needed to do your own thing. You go to yeah. grad school, you get your degree in strategic foresight, then you start a business, mm-hmm. or something that was more of a consulting kind of business. So let's talk yeah. about those early days when you were building your business. What was what was working? And then what were some of the things that were just not, not exactly what you wanted it to be?
1: Yeah so uh, you know a mutual friend of ours, I mean when I really got started, I met Chad in the beginning uh, from the very beginning and that was that was one of the biggest benefits to my business, to be honest with you. I would have floundered for years, I think, had I not met him. And uh, you know I'd say probably the biggest the biggest impact that had, not only on hey, here's how you should be thinking about the way you price yourself, all, all those, the mechanics, the basic things to make sure you can make a living and put food on the table, but also really emphasizing creating just a huge library of content. Right? Without, I mean, when I was in the insurance business, all the different insurance companies gave me all the materials, everything else. My job was to go out, find the best fit for my clients and sell them that policy and then service that. That was it. There was not a, great, now I need to create a brochure and now I need to do this. And now I need to do that. None of that stuff didn't have to do any of that. So stepping into this realm where you have to wear all five, six, you know, 10 hats to build that business up, that gave me a huge head start. Uh, So that's where I was when I first got started. Uh, That was incredibly helpful. Uh, some of the other uh, can, can I oh, jump yeah, in real ahead.
0: quick? Just for those who are listening, we were talking about Chad Barr at Chadbar.com or the chadbargroup.com. Mm-hmm. And I would probably ag- agree with you. What Chad did really well for you is what he did for me is he pushed me to write content. Yeah. And I and I I am seeing these parallel paths between us. Is what difference did creating content? Um, what did it do for you in terms of your clarity, your confidence? You know, how, what difference did it make in that early stages where you want to get paid for your advice?
1: Yeah. I think the biggest thing is that you you start off not being a commodity. Hmm. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, very much.
1: I saw, so I would, I mean, immediately within the first six to six months to a year, I would meet other people as I was transitioning. Cause I had a lot of clients in the insurance business said, oh, this is great what you're doing. You know, in the old ads, by the way, you know, people say, oh, well just go back to your existing clients. I was like, no, it doesn't work that way. It takes more energy to convince your old clients who have seen you as this to now see you as this other thing. Don't do that. That's stupid advice. You will waste time, hate yourself, and probably end up quitting what you're doing. So, all that. Totally means to say,
0: agreed. That that is so powerful. That is so powerful. Don't waste going it, to old clients and trying to shape them on your new in, identity and image. That's brilliant. Uh, it was
1: like the terrible advice in the insurance business, which I never gave this advice ever to any of the associates that worked uh, worked with me. I say for me, they. You know I trained them but, you know they're still independent uh it was like okay well when you get your license you know the first people you should go to is to your parents and to your family I'm like don't do that don't do that unless they need it you know <laughs> so anyway all that said so switching back I think the big the big leg up is I some of my other clients would uh, in the insurance business say oh we well, should talk to so and so they're a consultant or you should talk to those like great and I'd go and have lunch with them and I, I figured out real quick their consulting was they're certified in this, they're certified in that, they can deliver this. And I thought, mm, wow, okay, this is where the world is very different. What Chad taught me and I and just being around other folks in his community as well uh, was, no, you create your own intellectual property, which makes you unique. Like nobody else is going to deliver what you can create, do that. And so that was the foundation for me was create your own body of work because that's going to stand the test time. It doesn't mean everything needs to be perfect, but it does mean that if people check you out, they're going to see that you are creating something unique. And and again, by unique, I don't mean, Oh, life-changing, a world-changing, and nobody's ever talked about it. That's another myth that's out there. Uh, It's more of, Oh, you actually wrote this. You created this. That means you have some original ideas as opposed to come to my website and I'm certified and all this stuff. and, And it also when you have that foundation of things that you've created, as you well know, Betsy, you can charge higher fees right out of the gate well, because they're not comparing you with somebody else.
0: I, it's that's a great point. But you can charge greater, higher fees, or you will be more confident in charging your fees. My that's a,
1: yeah, good point.
0: So my experience with Chad is, a, is very similar to yours. And I remember Chad telling me, uh, he's the one who got me all started on the content, just like you. And he's like, yeah, you're going to write some blogs. I'm like, hey, cool, I can write. But then he's like, okay, you're, you're going to do some videos. I'm like, eh, I no, not do videos. Right. He's like, no, you're going to do videos. So this is how it worked out with Chad. He's like, yeah, you're going to do some videos. So I'm like, fine, but I don't do scripts. Like I'm more like off the cuff. And he's like, yeah, you're going to do s- scripts. So, <laughs> so I would do scripts. So I wrote my scripts and I went to, and I was staying at his house at the time and yeah. I was Sitting up in the guest room, and so yeah. he's like, "Go write some scripts." So I wrote them, and then we recorded them. And he's like, "These are terrible. Go back upstairs and fix them." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> so, That's so, funny. I, so then I yeah. did that, and then we recorded it. And then during that day, first time out, like I recorded seven videos. And apparently at the time, because he was new in the whole video thing, you know mm-hmm. that he only got you know, before clients only did like three videos. I'm like, "Oh, cool!" So now I got like this confidence. But what was really interesting is when I got my first lead after I hit fly on my my first substantial website that I did with Chad, mm-hmm. it came through a referral. And these people really wanted to work with me, like oh, really cool. bad. And they handed, but they didn't know they all they they didn't know my about my website all that much. They just knew me from other scenarios. So they handed me my competitor's proposal. And they Mm -hmm. said, you know, match this and we'll we'll hire you. And it was for like this two day executive workshop. And I think they were asking for like 7000 or something like that. And yeah. I looked at the proposal and I'm, I just launched my business and I'm looking at that proposal. I'm like, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to make a difference. And I did what I thought was a proposal, which was like five times more, or I don't even know exactly how much it was. And the clients are like, mm, we're going to have to break the bank to work with Betsy. And something came over me in that moment where I'm like, no, I'm not an expense to be managed. I'm an investment that will deliver a return. And they were like, whoa. Uh... And they signed on the spot. So I want to go back to the point around the, the, so I tell my personal story to relate to what you're saying here is I really wonder how much is content. I know, I do know content establishes your authority, it tracks clients. And I know that I've gained all the business I have pretty much through my content. I know it warms up your leads and that kind of thing. I'm very curious just from your own personal confidence, but because for me creating that content, it allowed my value proposition to drop from my head to heart.
1: Yeah, well, and let me also say this, just for anybody that's listening here too. When I was thinking about hiring Chad, uh, I was looking at his stuff, uh, the different clients that he had. So I knew about you <laughs> long before you and I ever connected. I mean, years before. So a big decision. So that so that also shows that that was a really powerful tool. It was like, oh, well, this is really good. You know, that he, he this is this is good quality, and so. Uh, yeah, so I say all that to, to say that your site and how that was positioned also gave me confidence to hire him and get him to help me get my business off the ground too. So uh, so you were asking or, or making that statement about, you know, your content moving from your head to your heart. Um, uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, you, I, we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. You were talking about imposter syndrome right yeah i think this is a problem that i found so i'll speak only about myself but i see this in a lot of people too is that early on starting my business i really tried to you know i followed chad's advice but then i tried to emulate you know others in that that community as well and i found myself limiting what it is that i wanted to talk about because i was trying to run through a filter that primarily focused on profits for your business revenue all these like everything was about the bottom line i was thinking to myself Ugh. but my work absolutely does impact that But the appeal of it is more on the qualitative side, right? Mm -hmm. Is how are we changing the way that we think so that we can envision new avenues to move our business in? Or how can we develop something new that serves a need that isn't quite here yet, but all the signs are pointing that it will be soon. No, that's more on the qualitative side. Can I put a price tag of like, here's the percentage of return you're going to get on that? Sure. Through some funny math, you know, (laughs) it's like, but... So I found myself um, trying to emulate certain things that made it more difficult to really just let go. I mean, so uh, I've never, ever in my entire life given two shits about having a nice car. I would never. Care
0: it. You never gave two what?
1: Oh, poops! Sorry, <laughs> about having a nice vehicle. I never have, right? I mean, I, I drive, you know, I'm, I'm driving whatever, like, but, but the material, the possessions, which again, I, I'm totally fine with anybody who wants that. That is not, but that was a big thing that was emphasized is like real success. You must look successful and wear this and wear that. And that just got exhausting.
0: And it's the amount of long pen that you're supposed to bring in with a client, which meetings, is ridiculous.
1: Yeah. Which is like, ridiculous.
0: Look. I'm like, my ideas are going to be what wins a client over if I need not a pen, the pen.
1: Yeah. Like, look, this is in 1980. What that? Is said hey, to each their own. But again, I, I look at that and it was it was very helpful for me to go through that process of trying to recreate a certain way to look and be and then try to filter my ideas and the value through that. But eventually it just got exhausting and I just kind of threw my hands up and, and said, you know, um, I'm holding myself back on this. So it didn't quite hit the head to the heart until I finally just uh, threw a lot of that stuff to the wind and just got really clear on. You know, what, what is it I'm doing? I mean, I left the insurance business because I, not because I wasn't making. My, I was making a great living doing that. If it was just all about the money for me, I should have just stayed there, right? Right. Uh, but the head to the heart thing was uh, when I actually I spoke to somebody who was going to be on my podcast years ago that I was doing, and she was she just asked me point blank. She goes, "What exactly is it you do?" And you know, I th- think she's from New York originally, and I started sure. to go into this thing about what I do. She goes, "No, no, stop." She goes. You've got a great-looking site, lots of content. She goes, but I can't tell if you're Tony Robbins or Peter Diamandis. Like none of this stuff is clear. She said, uh, "It looks like you're trying to kill an ant with buckshot." <laughs> and I said, "That was good." I was like, "Damn, that's yeah." <laughs> oh, I
0: was she's like, good. I want to meet her.
1: Yeah, I hired her on the spot. By the way, she was supposed to be a guest on my show. This was not going to be a business call, but she asked me that. She goes, "I can help you with that." I said, "Great." You know, where do I send the check? And so that really got me kickstarted into simplifying my message, clarifying it, and uh, um, really just focusing in on uh, a strategy for creating content that helps me attract the people I want to work with. Because again, through that old filter, I was attracting people I don't want to work with. Right. Like our values are completely misaligned. I, I'm not interested. And again, it's not an insult to anybody who's that way. It's just, that's I was working hard to attract people I don't want to work with.
0: So it's interesting, a lot of people would say that, or the objection if somebody's listening, they're like, yeah, but what about, like, you know, if I turn people away, what about the the scarcity? The, you know, why would I do that? You know, because I don't want to limit it because I'm not going to make as much money. And your experience by limiting who you served, is it open, did it open up opportunities for you?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Now I have, you know, one of the things when I redid my site is it's very, very clear, you know, or the, the intent was that, I wanted people to come there and know right away whether I'm their guy or not. I didn't want there to be any like, oh, I think he'll be great. And then we get down the road and it's like, no, no, <laughs> this is not going to work out.
0: So what so, is it that you do then? Tell us what you do.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, in the most simple terms of what I do is I teach leaders and teams how to think like futurists for the very purpose of creating, literally creating the future for themselves and the people they serve. That's it. And that takes on many different forms. But it's just look, I change teach you how to think, I not think what to think.
0: I think that there's a huge differentiator in what you're talking about here. I've worked with other futurists, especially when I was at Disney, where they talk about, you know, forward product planning and, and that kind of thing. And what other people seem like they do, even in the futuristic space, is like, all right, read the tea leaves and align your business towards that. And it sounds like what you're doing is, yeah, read the tea leaves, but create your own future. You don't have to. You're not constrained by what you see in the future. You could actually impact the future. Yes. I don't know if that's accurate, but that seems to be your differentiation versus other futurists. And if so, how did you get to, because that's the kid you always been. How did you get to that clarity to say, I can create and craft something that hasn't been done before versus just read the tea leaves and just align to that?
1: Yeah. Uh, No, you're exactly right. That is, I really try to focus on this is that for most futurists, they're going to tell you what to think. Hey, in the next 20 years, this is what's going to happen. You know, but that's, that's not helpful to anybody. It's like, if I take you to the future, leave you there. Well, who does that serve? It's Like, well, that's great for entertainment. But Mm -hmm. instead, what I want to do is teach you. You don't have to know everything I know, but I want to teach you simple skills that make you effective. That you can execute on. You know, one of the things that's really uh, a core component of, of my work and my message is that the future is impractical if you can't leverage it now. That almost stops the brain to make you go, what the future as practical? That doesn't make sense, but it does. Because looking at the future, thinking about the future has no real practical value unless you can take that information and make better decisions with it right now. But you have to have a skill set to do that. Instead of just me coming in and telling you, Betsy, here, I've just run a trend report which by the way, is super easy. And people, I can't believe people still pay for this. You can write a trend report, a scanning report, whatever it might be. And this is what we think the future might look like. And you're supposed to take action on it. Well, my first question would be, how did you arrive at this conclusion? Mm-hmm. So you're right. Here's the tea leaves. And I always say, look, look at those, understand those, but then ask the other question. Well, what else is possible here? You know, what, what questions are we not asking? This is what they're saying, because as we know, and it's well-documented, predictions about the future are notoriously wrong. (laughs) They are so bad, but we still cling to them. Yeah. So that is, that is a big differentiator. I have no interest in telling you what the future is going to be. I mean, we can sit around and I can tell you what I think, but what I'm really interested in is teaching you a new way to think and then to uh, take these tools and apply them so that you can make them your own, really.
0: Because Mm -hmm. it's not like just this one particular company and fixing their sales process, but it's more reimagining the possibilities for the future because they've always done it this way forever. And I didn't know if that was something that you overcome with your clients is they, you know, they think I've always done this way. So they're stuck on the historical kind of, this is the way we've always done things. And are you somebody who comes in and breaks them out of, this is the way we've always done things and just imagine the future. Like you can imagine that, or what would be a different problem that your, your expertise would be appropriate
1: for? So I so when you frame it like that, yes, that is a big thing because a problem that many organizations and industries have is that they take what is working, they take they take past information, present understanding of that information, and then they have this preset idea like, well, the future is uncertain, so we don't know, so let's just take what we got here and throw it out into the future. So the way that an organization could really reimagine where their future position or where their value is going to be is to first this goes back to what we were talking about earlier is to create a three-dimensional picture of what the future could look like. We have to create context for the future. And rather than saying, well, let me find some trend reports and whatever the experts are saying on this, this is where the teaching people how to think to connect dots that other people aren't making sense of. Uh, We'd really want to focus in and, and find something that in the industry is really fixated on. So, um, You know, if there was a certain disruptive technology or uh, an issue that continuously came up, they said, "You know, we just feel like this is going to, you know, become something for us, either good or bad." They don't have to know exactly how it's going to impact the future, but you really find this real area of concern that they all have. And then what we do is we take that, we see where it is right now, and then we start asking very specific questions about how might, let's just say, artificial intelligence—that's an easy one—how might artificial intelligence impact, not the travel industry, but we start to ask questions like how might it impact uh, traditional roles of the family? Now I know mm-hmm. this can sound crazy, but here we're, what we're doing is we're trying to understand uh, by looking at a trend issue or an event or technology, we're looking beyond its original intent and we're looking beyond the audience it was originally intended for. This is how you find disruptive areas. This is how you find opportunities. So you start asking questions about multiple facets of society that are really almost seem off the wall. But now what you're starting to look at is like, oh, you know, now I'm thinking about how this technology or this thing can impact how we look at the family. Well, especially in the travel industry, well, if traditional roles in the family are being changed because of this type of technology, then how does, you know, how does this impact uh, uh, timeshares, right? So you start, I mean, again, you go into a lot more than just that, but it's now you start to take what timeshares are, what the value actually is today, and you ask where the opportunities for us to uh, to move to uh, uh, to serve this new way of thinking that's not here yet, and whether you start doing it now or not, you start talking about it that way. People start to look at you and go, "Wow, this this company's envisioning something. They're talking about things a little bit differently." Um, that's really what that's really what foresight is all about. That's really what uh, creating the future is all about is is looking beyond the original intent and the audience that it was intended for. You think about Facebook, which is easy. Developed in 2002, 2003. Launched out to just Ivy League college kids, then regular college kids, and then out to, you know, by 2004, it's out to everybody. Well, six less than six years later, it's the number one tool used to overthrow a 30 plus year dictatorship in the Middle East. But its original intent was to see, you know, Sally dating Bobby, and you know it was just it was like it was a kids' tool, really. You know, a college kids' tool. It's a hot or not replacement. That's all it was. And then it becomes a tool of revolution, less than six years after it's out to the market. Now people say, "Oh, well, isn't that crazy?" And it's like not really, because if you look beyond that original intent for you know, and you look at its capabilities and its possibilities in multiple facets of society, that's where the that's where the pictures start to emerge, and you start to see, ah, that's a possibility. And then you get really creative and say, well, we like that possibility. So now let's invest our time, energy, and effort into making that future happen. And that's where you get, you know, foreign policy and a whole bunch of other stuff that probably don't have time to go into.
0: Okay. So your passion is palatable. You know, this is so exciting, but I'm sure as other people are looking at, like, I have passion, but I don't have as confidence. You know, you mentioned the whole idea of the imposter syndrome. Did you ever struggle with imposter syndrome or where does your confidence come from around your ideas and what you wanted to do.
1: Yeah. I think we all struggle with imposter syndrome uh, at various points. Um, You know, I mean, uh, yeah. It's, uh, I think for me, there's, the thing that I continue to work on and I've gotten a lot better at is is always understanding my motivations for what I do. Mm. When I got into the insurance business, it wasn't because, well, I love insurance. No, I got into the insurance business, number one, because I enjoyed working for myself. I was good at it. I liked solving problems. And then number two is like, I felt like I needed to prove a bunch of people wrong that I could actually support a family and make money. I was a musician, history major, English career writing minor. What am I doing in business? Had never had any desire for business, but I had something to prove to people that had no idea. I was trying to prove them wrong. <laughs> Right. I mean, so I think if you always check your motivations and you're and you're really clear, you're self-aware about those things, then you can you can really. Well, you have more agency, you have more of a choice to make. Say, so, well, I'm going to I recognize what's motivating me to do this. Is this serving me? Um, and what is it I would do if I didn't have this, you know, this motivation to prove other people wrong in my case? And then that so, starts to open up a whole other set of opportunity for you. Uh, I think the other thing that's really important too is to turn things off for a while. Stop Mm -hmm. listening to all this other stuff and just shut it all down. And then just take time and listen to yourself. Figure out, number one, what is it I really want to do? Number two, do I want to work for myself? Trust me, there are days where I think, I really wish somebody would just tell me what to do this week. (laughs) And then I think about the week following that and I go, yeah, I would quit after. (laughs) But that's how I'm hardwired. I tell most people, nine out of 10 people should not work for themselves. They just shouldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: But you, but it sounds like there was a step change when you met that girl from New York. It sounded like before there was, I, I kind of hear like there's three phases of your career. You know, career phase one is I just want to work for myself and I just know it. And I have something to prove here. Phase two is I'm just starting to learn how to establish myself as an advice based business in this kind of consulting space. And there was a lot of imitation of other people. And, you know, and you were just kind of there. And then it seems like you're in this third phase and it sounds like you're also getting ready for a fourth phase, but it seems like that you went from that second phase to this third, the third phase, which is after talking to the girl from New York is what is it that's super important to me? And where's my power alley? What's special? What am I trying to do? And getting more clear on your unique approach to the futuristic kind of stuff. And now it seems like you're ready. I don't know if I'm framing this right, but now it sounds like you're ready for another one where you were an expert, it seems like you were a sought after expert in this futuristic space, but it seems like you're pushing yourself now to becoming a true thought leader. And there's a different kind of thing there. I don't know if I'm hearing it right, but if these are the phases, um, but what, what is, if you are moving from the sought after expert to thought leader, you know, how do you see the difference between the two?
1: Well, I, I would, I would, so define for me sought after expert and thought leader. So it sounds like there's a, you know, a different way of looking at those things, and then I could better answer your questions. So I understand how you define those things.
0: So in the the first part of your when you first started working with Chad, you're using content to establish your credibility and to attract clients. Then right. after the girl from New York, it sounded like you got more clear on. You're being the expert in this futuristic space, you know, that Mm -hmm. you were just trying to say, this is what it is. And then to me, a sought after expert is I am I'm paid, I'm an expert and I'm known for what I know, kind of thing. Thought leadership to me, the difference between the sought after expert is something that you said the other day is when we were talking about your website, you wanted to go from your name, Jared Nichols, Uh, to the new futurist because you felt like you were you the idea. You mentioned something about the idea has something bigger than even you, and you wanted to not be in the way of activating this idea gotcha. to the world. So that's where I gotcha, feel like yeah. you're, which is what you described a little bit. I'm just kind of reading between these tea leaves around what motivated yeah. you to make the shift to the, you're making to your website right now. And it seems like there's something in this new and you futurist that you're wanting to activate in the world. Yeah. Okay.
1: G- gotcha. Yes. Uh, so to answer that question, I think, I think you're summing it up pretty well. Um, so in a, a good friend of mine, who's done work with me, the, the new futurist icon, the logo on the site, he, de- he developed that. <clears throat> and it's a guy named Jamie Mustard. He's the author of the book called the iconist. If you haven't read it or seen it, I highly encourage it. It's great. James is a dear friend of mine. We talk regularly. Uh, we're working on some other projects together, but um, uh he was a lot like this gal from new york what was interesting is this gal from new york she was very mechanical in the sense that uh, hey we need to get the packaging right which was correct um but a lot of it was like so let's we need to look at you know that so it was really kind of this let's look at what everybody else is doing in that space what's working and then replicate that and so i mean uh, you know. I, a lot of that was a good kickstart, but we didn't continue working together. No, no bad fallout or anything like that. I just was moving quickly. It was supposed to be a three-month thing. I was done in a month. I was like, okay, I'm good. I'm moving on and just moving full speed ahead. Um, but there was still this, uh, and this is you know from the early days, is I'm out in front. My face is out in front. Right. Like That was always a hard thing for me. to. That was one of the most difficult things in the beginning of you know, building website chairs. I, I was like, oh, man. I don't want to have my face up here. I mean, most of my pictures that I ever take, I'm making a, a stupid face. It's usually a joke. I don't know how to look serious, right? Th- those seem really, you know, stupid. But I think most of us deal with that at first. So, my website, my thought, uh, my thinking around it, I was still out in front. So, let's come to that distinction you were talking about in our conversation a couple of days ago, uh, Jamie was—he has this really unique ability to the way he defines it, his, his whole process is identity DNA. He can look and figure out what he told me in our first conversation. This is off the site that I'd built too. He said, he said, I knew this was going to be a good conversation. He goes, but man, uh, after talking to you, your site does nothing to really help me understand like who you are at your core, not about what your message is. He said, all that's your content's great. Everything he said, but it just doesn't look like the person I'm talking to. And so for him, it was, we need to make the outside matched the inside. Mm. He's like, you he, he said this this website you got is way too corporate because that's not you. And I was like, you're right. You know, it, it was less corporate than it used to be, but it still wasn't quite there. So I knew for me, my identity of who I am still needed more work. I just had a bunch of other projects going on, you know, like building the Force side Academy and all this other stuff. I was like, I'll eventually get around to it. So for him <clears throat> to step in and say, look, I can help you with that, um, and we got working together on a few things. Uh, his big thing here is I started to work around that new icon. I did what I did before. I put myself on the front. And he said, no, 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 no. He said, you have to understand, here's the difference. Most people make this mistake. He said, what's valuable about you is the ideas that you have. You have this powerful view of, of the future and how to use that in the present. He said, but all of that is stuck behind you in your current state. He said, you need to reverse those roles. You." Need to stand behind your ideas. That needs to be the first thing somebody sees when they come to your site. That's why when you go to my homepage, my face isn't there. You scroll down, it'll be there, but it's not the first thing you see. It's one of three blocks, which is Jamie's whole thing: is creating blocks, things that people remember, these icons that just stick with you and help you stand out in a crowded space. And so, yeah, that you know, to bring it back to this question of sought after expert to a thought leader. I hadn't really quite thought about the differentiation between the two because you almost kind of lump those together. And besides, it's like entrepreneur; everybody on LinkedIn is a thought leader too. Right? <laughs> it's, that's it's, true. It's yeah. Like, no, 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 no. So, what does it mean to be a thought leader? It's, it's that your ideas, your thoughts? Uh, that those are the things that attract people to you, right? And so that really is the direction that this is starting to move in. Um, and it's nothing new. It's not like oh, I just came up with these yesterday. These have been baked in. Even from the very beginning with Chad, I just didn't know that that's what what it was. These core concepts and ideas about, you know, here's here's the promise that I'm making to you if you work with me. Here is the uh, the value that I bring that helps differentiate me from your keynote futurists. Uh, all that stuff was there. It was just kind of scattered around, and I didn't know how to quite clearly pull it together. So this has been an evolution the whole time, and now we're at this place, and it's. I've had all those. I know what those core ideas are, but I've just reversed roles where they're out front and I'm standing behind those. So,
0: yeah. Can I give you a thought if that's okay? Of
1: course. Wait, are you a thought leader? Because I only take thoughts from thought leaders.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I'm I'm an emerging thought leader. There you go. The one thing I would add into what your definition is, is the standing behind your ideas, but putting yourself in the idea. And I think the one thing that would make this stronger, your thought leadership is your core story around being the musician historian that I've never heard before. And I don't see that in your website. And I think what's interesting is the connection between the person that you've always been, where you create something out of nothing and that you feel that, um, that urge to be that creator of your own story, your own future based on your own experience, is just telling a little bit more and connecting the dots. So if I were going to look at your about page, I would want to see a little bit more of your story and put yourself in the story. And if you were going to tell these big ideas, which I, I probably would say, I kind of agree with your, I agree with your friend. And then I would just add one other thing though, is I think a thought leader. Is about you know putting yourself into the content. The expert mm. is I'm hiding behind like for me I feel like as an expert I had hid behind all my ideas and as I've been pushing myself to thought leadership, it's less around what I know and more around my unique perspective on the world around how important it is for people to own their worth. I mean the whole reason why I need to name the podcast enough already is I'm trying to put forward my my bigger idea which is around worth and worthiness. And yeah. I'm being more willing to tell my story, yeah. you know, different aspects of my story. So that would be the only other thing, because I've never heard this. And all these years that you and I have been chit-chatting about different aspects of the business, how did we not know <laughs> that we have such a core fundamental way of approaching the world, you know, in common? So yeah. that's just, you know, I- No,
1: I love you. that. And and uh, I would add to that, that uh, Jamie would agree with you on that too. I mean, I'm probably doing a terrible job of explaining the core philosophy, but- uh, the, you're right. I mean, it's, there is the hiding behind something, which is usually more like, well, I, I don't want people to know that I'm a, I'm a solopreneur. Like that's not the same thing. It's more of, you, so I think there's two parts of that is that, um, oh, and Jamie was really funny too. He goes, man, I don't ever want to see you in a suit jacket again.
0: <laughs> that I would agree with. Oh my God. I was like, oh, totally. Right. Totally. But, yeah. But yeah. I remember When we were, I started my first website, I never wanted to be in a suit. And I was like, you have to have a suit. Have to yeah. have a suit. No, you don't have to have a suit unless you, no. unless you wear a suit every day.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that, that was something else that was really funny. But all that said is that uh, um, it was more of the presentation, the packaging of if somebody comes to your site, don't make them work. to Like you got to have something that immediately catches them. And, you know, so if somebody goes to my site, it's going to be one of those blocks. So where it was before it was, you go to the site and you don't see my face. The first thing that pops up is this large block that says the future is impractical if you can't leverage it now. And then there's just a button that says, like, learn more. And, I, and again, these are things that I'm going to change up. Like, maybe I'll say, here, I'll prove it. And then it'll take you to a very specific place on the site where I prove it, you know, and I talk more about it. But its intent is... Is similar to what my intent was all along, which was I want you to make a decision real quick or to know really fast if I'm your guy or not. You know, so you go there, and some people might like, well, that sounds stupid, or that that sentence doesn't make sense, and they leave. Great, we've all saved each other plenty of time. Others might might be like, well, that sounds ridiculous. I want to see how he proves it. Boom! Now we've got what he calls a mystery box in this area of interest, and now we've taken them down the rabbit hole. But yeah
0: i love that the, we share the value on continuous improvement as a way of life it's like you know and you might change it and you might change it because you don't oh, have to there's
1: so much more i'm going to do with that yeah but yeah. i would i also want to say Bessie, what you were talking about about my history background all that and how you haven't done that. so i will say good news is that stuff is all coming in yay uh, so uh what jamie's partner who's he basically said look i'm going to rewrite your bio it's like great so i've sent her all this stuff <laughs> Yeah. so so all that stuff will be in there that's much more so what is on there now is what's been on there for a long time so that's so i'd say the the site is 90 percent done so there's a lot of internal changes that i'll be making um and yeah uh yeah so anyway i'll I'll stop there but go ahead yeah
0: so i got two wrap-up questions that i'd love to get your feedback on the first question is if you were going to go back in time and you were going to talk to that guy who was leaving the insurance business and starting your own business with what you know now, what advice would you give him?
1: Wow, well, this is a tough question for me uh, because one of my—I'd say it's a positive thing, but also to my own detriment—is that I'm the way I'm wired is I'm just always moving forward. I'm never looking back. So taking time to reflect back and think, well, what would I do differently? I just yeah. You know, okay, so so you what what advice would I give myself? in the very beginning.
0: because like can time travel and you were going to go meet younger Jared, what would you tell him?
1: Hmm. I think two things. Number one would be, don't forget why you decided to make this change. And the reason for that was that I, I knew I had a certain skill set uh, and I wanted to use that to make a more positive impact. And you know, it sounds really it's a more positive impact, in the world. but that was genuinely what I was thinking. I thought, okay, I'm bored of the insurance industry, you know. I but I love, you know, solving problems, and so that was number one. Um, And then the other thing that I would say is, uh, you know, don't discount your own instinct like you did, because I did. I discounted my own instinct. I didn't trust my gut. Like wearing a really nice suit, or oh, I gotta, I gotta have things look like this. That just that sucked the life out of me real quick. So I'd say, look. You be you, you know, th- this is your opportunity. It doesn't matter what anybody else says on this, take what is good and discard everything else that that doesn't fit and be confident in that. That's what I would go back to.
0: You be you. That's great. So is there anything else that you want to tell me about your experience in really figuring out your position in the market and the difference that it's made or anything else about growing a business? And I just didn't ask you the right question.
1: Oh, no. No. Um, I would say that you know, when it comes to positioning, I think the most important thing that you can do is, number one, be really, really specific on who it is you want to work with. Mm-hmm. And by specific, I'm not just saying, well, I want to work with CEOs, Oh, uh, this net worth. Those things are fine. I'm talking about focusing on character, right? I, I've got my avatar, for lack of a better word, because it's gotten it's so unhuman. But down to where, you know, a certain age range, how many kids they have, what their life experience has been like, what their marital status is like, because I've gone back and I've looked at all the clients that I've had, the ones that where we saw the greatest results, I had the most fun and we can and they looked for other ways to hire me without me having to ask them. Uh, They all fit this demographic, men and women. It's a very specific demographic. And so get it clear on that. And then everything you create, imagine that person sitting across the table from you or across the video, you know, uh, camera from you. And if there's a strange look on their face, like what? I don't understand that. Change what it is you're saying. You want to make it clear for that person, that person only do not try to be all things to all people. Wow. It's just, it doesn't work. Make it so people know you're their guy or gal immediately when they come to see you. And, uh, that way you'll save yourself and them plenty of time.
0: This has been super powerful. I cannot thank you enough. And it's been really, really fun to catch up with you. And I wish I would have known that young guy who is writing music and creating things in a history major and not knowing where <laughs> his place is, if he could see what you've created. And and again, your website address is?
1: Newfuturist.com. All right.
0: Thank you, Jared. Thanks, Betsy. Thank you for tuning in. If today's episode lit a fire on you, please rate and review enough already on Apple Podcasts or subscribe wherever you listen. And if you're looking for your next step, visit me on my website at betsyjordan.com and it's Betsy Jordan with a Y and you'll learn all about our end-to-end services that are custom designed to accelerate your success. Don't wait, start today.